We can't call it alternative medicine anymore when an institution as august as Johns Hopkins is working to make it mainstream. You're listening to Reach MD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today to tell us about the Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine at Johns Hopkins is Dr. Adrian Dobbs, the Center Director. Welcome, Adrian. Hi. All right, we're talking about your center. Let's go over a little bit just to refresh the basic modalities that you're offering to patients at Johns Hopkins. We do have a very large research component uh, here at Hopkins, but we also provide clinical services in the area of what people have called complementary alternative medicine or integrative medicine. We've been able to provide this to our patients. Mainly cancer patients are quite involved now, but it is something that's available to patients throughout the hospital. So let's talk about these patients for a minute. I know we we, we said this is not a non-Western therapy, but when you deal with these complementary therapies like acupuncture, you're dealing with a whole different belief system. You're dealing with chakras. You're dealing with energy channels and vectors through the body. How do doctors accept this and how do patients accept this? Well, you know, this is a, a field that is fraught with people's prejudices, um, you know, where they're coming from. And I find that in every corner, it's a challenge. So for example, there are physicians that are very hesitant to do anything that might be considered alternative or integrative. They feel that unless it's evidence proven, unless there's good data there, they're not going to use it. And they're really obstructionist about this. So that's a group that has to be approached. That's a group in which we have to say to them, hey, a lot of the things you're already doing are not really proven very well. And there's a lot that we do in medicine that has not been proven in long meta-analyses. So be open to this. We also say to physicians, you know, we'll ask them the question, do you think a person's attitude towards their disease, if they're optimistic about their disease, do you think that helps them? And, of course, the, the answer to that would be, of course it helps them. So in many ways, physicians, they have to realize that they've been incorporating and already thinking about the whole patient from the beginning. Now, patients themselves also have a lot of fears and concerns. They're not sure if something that's considered integrative doesn't work. For, will their doctor be upset if they use it? Maybe they're going to be rejected by their doctor. The doctor won't treat them anymore if they also know that the patient is using some kind of alternative therapy. And the whole mindset of many patients that come to an established academic medical institution such as Hopkins is that they're here for conventional medicine, and they don't want anything that's considered alternative. So here's a patient that has to be slowly brought into the fact that there might be some therapies that would be good for them. Okay, but what I'm getting at is acupuncture deals with a different belief system. It isn't the body as a machine. It's the body as an energy system. Are patients taught this, or or do they have to get it themselves? Because just to plug acupuncture needles in where a pill doesn't work doesn't really make sense to me. Acupuncture is a good example about it's part of a whole medical system. And what we tend to do is take bits and pieces of it and think that, oh, we're just going to put a needle in somebody and make them feel better. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't work that way. I would have to say that we are trying to tell patients and teach patients that it's part of a whole system, that it is probably an energy-based system. But I would have to say that we have a long way to go with this. And let me give you a problem that we have. We have a problem in space. 
where to do acupuncture for patients. And we're probably not doing acupuncture in the physical, most convenient, conducive space that really needs to be done when you're using it as part of a whole system. You know, hospitals are oftentimes sterile and cold and plain walls. And so we're limited in how much we can teach patients and utilize the fact that it is probably an energy system. Right. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Adrian Dobbs, who is fascinating to listen to about complementary and alternative medicine as it's practiced at Johns Hopkins. I agree with you. I've been to Hopkins. My brother-in-law had his prostatectomy there. It was pretty green and sterile, and I could not see anything coming into that prostate cancer ward that was at all... I hate to use the word holistic, but warm and fuzzy, you know, like like these alternative therapies. Well, you know, we do try. We are trying to educate uh, the team that goes here. So it's not only the doctors, but it's also the nurses and the social workers so that the whole holistic philosophy is not just coming from one place, but the fact that everyone is discussing it so that a nurse might say to a patient who requests a pain medication, you know, they would be involved with trying to teach the patient. So we think that trying to bring a more holistic attitude towards taking care of patients has to be done on multiple fronts. Right. And I think we need to say that the word holism is not the property of the people who use drugs and acupuncture needles. It's really, by my definition, treating people as whole people, not just illnesses. So you can have holistic surgeons. Absolutely. And in fact, most physicians will say to you that they do treat the whole patient and they resent anyone that says to them that they don't. They may say, my expertise is in diabetes or in orthopedics, but that as a good physician, as a physician that is trained in in conventional medicine, even conventional medical schools discuss and emphasize the issue that of treating the whole patient. Right. But in conventional medical schools, we don't get the concept of the body-mind connection. At least I was never taught that, and, and I don't see the students that I teach coming out with that. This is something relatively new to doctors, I think, to grasp it. Are you doing well with that? Do people really accept this medicine? It's changing, and I think it's changing fast, that physicians are realizing that the mind has a great impact on the disease. Data is coming out on the effect of cortisol, as an example, where stressed people have high cortisol. This high cortisol will affect immune function. Immune function obviously affects uh, the ability to fight disease. So that with more research in the area, uh, doctors are getting a mechanism for how the mind does affect the body. And at Hopkins is another example of where more and more physicians are realizing through the research, through the data that's coming out, that there definitely is a connection of mind-body. We just don't fully understand it. So in other words, what you're doing at Hopkins is just the opposite of what's happening in a lot of the non-traditional medical world where it's all anecdotal. You're really putting science behind it. We are trying very hard to understand and to advance the research around complementary alternative medicine. Anecdotes help because it says, well, maybe there's a potential here. So it's a good starting point, but even a thousand years of anecdotes don't prove that something really works. Right. Where would you like to see the center go in the future? Well, we want to do a few things. We want to expand the research that we're doing. 
we feel that there's more and more questions that need to be done, not only from a clinical study, but from a basic science point of view. We also want to provide more services to patients. This is a difficult challenge because of the whole reimbursement uh, field that we have. People, when they come to an academic medical center, don't want to pay cash for a procedure. It is not a money-making operation to be able to provide these kinds of services. We'd like to expand this. This has been really difficult. Mind-body services that we provide are provided out of a grant. We've been unable to work with insurance companies to have this paid for. And I think this is a challenge that many academic medical centers or private physicians face, is that how to be reimbursed for the time that is really required for these, to provide these services to patients. Yet out in the public, at least my understanding is that a great many Americans do pursue alternative medicine and buy it on their own. They're buying their own herbs. They're going to acupuncturists. They're going outside the system. But when it's a Western doctor, they want insurance to pay for it, right? You're absolutely right. And the richest people come here with their insurance card and says, I don't want to pay a dime for the services that I want to get in this institution. There's a bit of a myth about what's out there. People are willing to pay but they're more willing to pay for a situation where it's a spa-oriented institution rather than a place where they could integrate it with conventional medicine. The other is that in many ways it's a certain subset of the population that's been paying for this. It's a little bit more attractive towards women. It's more attractive towards Caucasians. It's more attractive to people that are wealthy. So that's the population that's willing to pay for it. That's not necessarily the population that is seen in a typical doctor's office or in an academic urban medical center such as ours. We feel very uncomfortable in just allowing so-called the rich to get services because that's not really the population that's on mandate to serve. So who's going to pay for these kinds of services for people that don't have the money? So if we can prove that the stuff works, insurance companies would eventually have to pay for it. I think that's true. And there are some insurance companies now that do pay for acupuncture, but still not at the level that really makes this a financially viable operation. It takes a long time to do acupuncture. Patients have to sit there at a minimum of 30, maybe even 60 minutes to have the procedure done in the holistic way that you've been referring to. That's not very feasible in the kinds of physical infrastructure that we have here. Well, I think what you're doing is great. And if you go back in the history of medicine, so much of what we've done now was once untraditional, including ether anesthesia was brought by Morton. I believe it was a dentist to Harvard, and and they threw him out because it didn't work the first time. So we need to be looking at these things. Well, thank you very much for sharing it. If you had one wish for the future for your center, one wish, what would that be? Open-mindedness on everyone's part, physicians, patients, for camp practitioners to realize that we really have to be thinking about integrating care for our patients. If we're not open-minded, it means we're scared. What do you think we're scared of as American medicine, having these things taken away from us? Because the perception of a lot of doctors is that people in, quote, alternative medicine, they just go out and buy their own herbs and do their own thing and they don't come to us. Is that what the fear is? No, because very few people use it as an alternative. Most patients use this as a complement to conventional medicine. So I don't think that this is going to take patients away from our patient care. I think that doctors are sincerely concerned that these things are a waste of time and money and may be harmful, particularly when it comes to botanicals. 
So I think that the fear that physicians have may be real. I want to emphasize that I also find camp practitioners to be also quite fearful and an obstructionist at some time about the use of conventional medicine. And that also has to be overcome, is that we all have to try to think in terms of what's best for the patient. A camp practitioner who is too convinced that his or her therapy is the right answer and is the cure is also part of the problem. Right. I think we all need to come together in partnership and explore these things. Avian, thank you for being our guest today. This was wonderful. And sharing your work at the Complementary and Alternative Medicine Center at Johns Hopkins. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and your comments. Please visit us at reachmd.com, where you'll find our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. And we thank you for listening.